God meets people where they are, not where they are not. Isn't that beautiful? Meets people where they are, not where they're not. We don't have to put on pretense to come to God. You know, one of the difficult things about depression and anxiety that tends to push us Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Elevate Retake. My name is Kelvin, your host. Happy to be with you again. We're jumping into part two of, uh, of a series that I feel has been much needed. Part one was fantastic. Go back and listen to that if you haven't caught up. And, uh, and then just kind of hit the next button and scroll over here to join us here as I sit down with a good friend of mine. I'll let him introduce himself. He's not a new uh, face to the podcast. He's been here many times. But we're happy to have him here. So I'll, I'll get to him in just a second. But yes, we did start a new series and it's on mental health. This is huge for me and for a lot of people. And so if you're listening, please, please, please share this with someone. We're all struggling somehow, some way, and you don't know you, who you could bless. So I am going to turn to my right, although he's sitting right across from me, I guess, this time. And I'm going to let him introduce himself and we'll get rolling here. Hello, everyone. My name is Andres Canizales. I've been here many times before, and I'm happy to be back here once again after a couple of weeks being gone. Yep. Uh, I'm a theology major here at Southwestern Adventist University, and like I said, I'm happy to be back here. All right, well, you know, I got to hit you with the question. It's mandatory, and it could change, which is great, which is the beauty of the question in and of itself. So, Andres, what makes you who you are today? I think what makes me who I am today, I think my answer changed a little bit. Uh, it used to be my struggles in my in my my past, but also my relationship with God is what makes me who I am today. Mm. I think I've gotten uh, closer in my relationship with God that it has changed me and has molded me a different way. Mm. That's good. That's good. I, uh, I've been saying family for a while now, even more so when I had my family actually in town over the holidays. But now I think for me, it's been, I've been able to find myself and my identity even more in Jesus, right? So that currently makes me who I am. And to those listening, maybe this is a question you ask yourself every day. What makes me who I am? And the very simple answer is you're a child of God, but I think there's more. And that's really cool to kind of see yeah. how our answers change to that question. All righty. Well, hope when the struggle is real. That's the name of the message that our speaker had this past Sabbath. And uh, the series as a whole is entitled Hope has a name. And Pastor Michael in week one kind of gave us what that name was. And we kind of already knew it. But that's the great thing of a series title. <laughs> you, you you don't give everything. You got to lay save something, right? And uh, that name, of course, is Jesus. Andres, let me ask you, um, your original thoughts on when you heard, whoa, we're going to do an eight-week series on mental health. What did you think? Mental health is a big aspect of, of our life right now, currently with all the pandemic and lockdown that came back mm. in 2020. And now that we're peaking again in in, in cases, uh, we don't know what's happening. It's uncertainty. Kids, yep. are, kids can't go back to school or having online learning. And mental health begins to take a toll. Mental health becomes something that is so important to us to keep stable, to keep a stable mentality, anxiety, depression are all aspects that we have to deal with. And it affects us mentally, physically, and spiritually. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, the first time I heard like we're having the mental health series, it, it's like it's something very important for our life today. 
I think it's interesting you mentioned that mental health is not just about mental health, but mental health expects uh, affects your physical and your spiritual life. I don't think many people realize that, you know? Yeah. I don't think many people see, they maybe just like, kind of like box it up into one thing. It's like, okay, if I can take care of my emotions, it's my heart, and I can take care of my body and my mental health separately, they're okay. But I think that's an interesting point that like they all kind of correlate with each other. Yeah. It's it's something that all go together. If you if you're not mentally correct, you're not gonna be physically correct because anxiety and depression are gonna affect the way you sleep. And if you mm. affect your way you sleep, your body's not gonna have the strength to actually function the next day. Yeah. And then spiritually, you're not gonna want to read the Bible if you're not mm. if you're tired all the time. You're not gonna want to pray to God because you're physically tired, you're mentally tired, you're mentally drained completely. Our speaker mentioned this. This isn't something we talk about a lot in church. Do you think we're afraid of talking about it? Or is it just something that's like, oh, we need to be preaching Jesus' second coming, and that's that's just, you know, Jesus' love, and we need to push that as much as possible? Or is there kind of a fear involved, do you think? I don't think it's much of fear. It's just that we don't like to talk about our feelings much. Ooh. We don't like to express the way we feel, the way that... Uh, our stability is. It's something that it's, we don't fear it, and it's not that we we have to preach God all the time. We have to we have to preach the second coming. It's just that it's something we're not comfortable talking about. Mm. Um, the speaker mentioned that it's something that I had never really thought about. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, he kind of went back and talked about Adam and Eve when they sinned the very first time, and sin came into this world. He said, for that from that moment on we have all been mentally ill because our brains now are not functioning and are not at the, at the, at the time and space that God wanted them to function at. Right. Because sin just kind of spread everywhere and ruined everything. And so I never thought about it that way. And now that you're saying, you know, we're afraid to talk about our emotions or our feelings and how we feel. And not only that, that it affects every part of my body, it makes a lot more sense. Everything can just kind of be the obvious answer rooted all the way, all the way back yeah. to sin, you know, and, and, and the mistakes that Adam and Eve made. Um, you know, he also talked about in the message, he kind of briefly touched on it, but I kind of want to make a bigger point of this. Um, I think sometimes we see our favorite Bible characters and we see them as like perfect individuals yeah. that like never went through anything. And even if, even if they went through struggles, we f- we like never think about the mental toll that was happening. Is it just because we haven't talked about this enough that we don't see that, or it's just in our nature to not like to not think about? Oh my goodness, do you imagine the mental toll that Joseph might have been going through, being sold by his family? Why is it important to see our Bible characters also struggling with mental health? I'm gonna answer this question as, as a different way. Okay. So the way I see it is that most of the time we don't we don't see that they went through mental health because the Bible doesn't say it. But it also because okay. uh if we if we focus like on our heroes, like let's say uh a superhero comes to comes to earth, um, we're not gonna see anything bad in them. And the same way as with the Bible characters, mm. we don't wanna see anything bad in them. We just wanna see their relationship with God. And sometimes we forget that they're also they were also human. We forget that 
they were not just completely relationship with relationship with God, but they were also part of human. Yeah. We don't we don't focus on their emotions. We don't focus on their health. Because that's so, those are two things that we never focus on. How do they feel? Or were they okay health-wise? Like, for example, Abraham, when he had to go sacrifice his son. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what he felt at that moment. Because if if God told me, go sacrifice your son, I'm not a father. So I wouldn't know. But I'm pretty sure every father would give everything for their son to, to see them happy. Yeah. So for Abraham, for God to tell Abraham that, it's just... He must have felt pain, sorrow, sadness. Mm. And it's something that we never thought about. We just just read it through and it's like, oh, Abraham goes sacrifice your son. It's like, well, okay. Just because the first thing we see Abraham do is, okay, yeah. he goes. But we don't focus on what took, what that took of Abraham to do. Yeah. What was going through his head. Yeah. Is there a reason you think God left that out? Is it just not maybe re- relevant to the story? I-, I don't know. I don't know, because I, I mean you could just go down the list. You don't you don't really have to. Maybe it was just so obvious that God was like, "Look, yeah. you guys got to understand." Like, you know, David, woohoo, big big hero in the Bible. After his sin with Bathsheba, his life was a disaster. Yep. Family problems. Till the moment he died, he's sitting on his deathbed. He can't even have a proper goodbye with Solomon because he's telling Solomon, "Hey, look." As soon as you become king, you need to get rid of this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. <laughs> like, David was so, like, stressed completely to the max. And we don't think of, man, David must have been going through yeah. it mentally. Because we just read the story and he killed Goliath. And, yeah. And that's it. Um, but I think that's a good point. I think it's it's important for us to realize that these people did have these issues. And I think going back to David, David lost his first son with Bathsheba. Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. That took so much out of him. I think that David and Elijah were probably the only ones that we register emotions on. Elijah Ooh. was so desperate. He was like, kill me, God. Mm. Take my life. And that's after defeating all the prophets yeah. on Mount Carmel. The next thing we see is him running because Jezebel wants his yeah. head. That's interesting. And he's so desperate. like His emotions are pouring out of him. Like I can't take this anymore. Take my life. I don't want to be here. I think it's also important for us to realize this because despite that, David's still a man after God's own heart. Yep. And you just have to read... Like, you'd have to read some of the Psalms sometimes. And you, you can almost feel like like David ripping out his heart for God. And he understood, like, everything that he had done. Um, I find it interesting that, that our Bible sometimes, I guess they know, will put like, hey, this Psalm was, was written <laughs> yeah. after he did this. And putting that into context, you're like, man, the amount of, like, mental toll that this guy was going through after he did his big mistake... Um, and yet God still like God still used him. And there was still peace in Israel for the 40 years that he was king. I just think it's a big testament that like, look, if you're listening, just because you may be stressed, dealing with anxiety, depression, whatever it is, God can still use you. 
Yeah. Like that, like your, your, your illness, your struggle, like the title of the message, when the struggle is real, like that struggle doesn't define who you are. You know, Jesus used unschooled fishermen and a bunch of weird guys to, to, to do his work, you know? Yes. And I think the preacher said it, said it correctly. God doesn't expect anything from us. He goes towards us the way we are. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be in a certain place for God to use you. Mm-hmm. God is going to use you the way you are. And he, he doesn't expect much from you he ex- because he's going to do the work through you. I think that applies so perfect because I think when it comes to what you mentioned earlier about why sometimes we don't talk about this subject is maybe we're just ashamed, right? Yeah. That we have it and we feel like that's the enemy's number one lie. Andres, you're by yourself. There's no one else feeling like you. Kelvin, there's no one else stressed like you. He makes you feel alone, and yet God says, look, you you don't have to, like, get all that fixed to come to me. I'm I'm going to meet you where you're at. Uh, I had Arabelle. I don't know if you know Arabelle Metzger. She was on last week, and she told – she was – you know, we are talking about this, and she mentioned the story of the paralytic guy that got brought by his friends. Jesus could have easily gone to that guy's house um, or whatever, but point is that he he was at Jesus the way that he was, and and Jesus didn't heal him at first. He told him, "Hey, your sins are forgiven," and that must have been such a like, like a relief, yeah, like a just like a mental relief to hear those words come from Jesus' mouth, and then of course Jesus heals him. So if you're listening, don't don't be ashamed, even when the struggle is real. God still has a plan, and God can definitely still use you. He talked about Adam and Eve a little bit, and they had a poor mental lapse because they, uh, after they sinned, they immediately played the blame game. Yeah, which was great, <laughs> classic. Uh, we do it all the time, especially siblings. If you got siblings, he did it, she did it, she made me do it. Um, but what's interesting about their blame, and I think this happens when we maybe allow these things to affect us and, and, you know, tell me here your thoughts. Uh, I find it interesting that they blame God for the thing that he created that made them do it. Like he doesn't just say, Oh, well this woman, the woman did it. No, no, no. God, the woman that you made (laughs) made me eat the fruit. Uh, I think that's one of the side effects of, of sin in our life, it makes us, it makes our brain go, well, it must have been God's fault. Yeah. And Adam and Eve went through that. Then Eve turned and said, well, the serpent you made, um, we feel vulnerable when we mess up because of sin. So we begin to hide. What, what lesson can you take away from that encounter with God and Adam and Eve and maybe their mental state? For me, the biggest lesson is, Every time when we know we do something bad, we try to blame. We try to not take responsibility for our actions. And we start blaming other people for the things that we do. And I think that's where we our relationship with God goes a little bit uh, a little bit apart from us. Mm-hmm. We start blaming others, we start blaming God instead of our, us assuming our own responsibility. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons I can learn to assume 
my responsibility for my actions. Because if I assume my responsibility for my actions, I know God's going to forgive me. Yeah. God is. God doesn't care what I did. As long as I accept my responsibility, I, I, I go to God seeking forgiveness. And I think that's what Adam and Eve didn't do. Mm. Because the first thing they did once they sinned is they went to hide. Yeah. They heard God like, no, I don't want to see him. Yeah. Because I, I know I did something wrong. Right. They felt naked. They, they, felt, knew they, they knew they were vulnerable. They felt naked. They were like, but what about all the other times? They were yeah. not clothed the other times they were with God. Yeah. They were naked. And I think that's that's the consequences of our sins. We know the consequences of our actions now. Mm. We know that we did wrong. So that since we know that we did wrong, I don't know if any of the listeners know that uh, or have felt that feeling before. When we do something wrong, like we break something, when you were little, you broke, uh, let's say, a, a lamp yeah. or a window. The first thing you do <laughs> is run. <laughs> Yeah. If you break a window, if you're playing outside and you break a window, the first thing you gotta do is run. Yeah. Because you don't you don't want to get caught. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same way I see Adam and Eve. They they sinned against God. And the first thing they did was run away. Run away from the person that was going to give them the consequence. Yeah. Or the ones that were gonna save them. Uh-huh. So it, it's a very interesting story of Adam and Eve and how they started blaming everyone else. Because of sin, they knew that they did wrong. So when you say when you say um, being able to take responsibility, how does that? I guess the only way to see this is in a positive light. How does that then positively affect your 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 head, your your brain? Once you're willing to then accept, okay, I did something wrong. What what are the positive benefits out of that? I think the only positive benefit is that we see God at that moment. Ooh. We, we are vulnerable, but we open ourselves to God and search for him, for his forgiveness, for his appreciation, for his love. Because it's, at the end of the day, he's our hope. Mm. Like the title of, of the series says, hope has a name. Jesus Christ is that name. He is our hope that through him, we're going to be forgiven. Yeah. yeah, I think having that right mentality uh, when things go wrong definitely leads us on that path. Okay, I've I've understood what I did wrong. Now I, I need to find God. Uh Adam and Eve went the other direction. I, I I sometimes wonder now that you bring that up how the the course of human history would have changed if they had both ran to God and said, God, look, we messed up and we'll take the hit for it. Will you please forgive us? I don't know. Hypotheticals are great to talk yeah. about. Um, but I, I, I don't know if maybe sin would have been eradicated at that point if they would have just, if God would have said, okay, I know that these people love me because they do, or if he still would have allowed sin, if it wouldn't have been fair. But I have to I have to feel like something would have been yeah. different, right? Uh, yeah, I have the same feeling. Something would have been different if they would have done completely opposite than what they did, if they would have seek God instead of hiding from him. What's crazy is that they had enough time from their sin to make clothes out of leaves. Like, they're sitting there. I mean, imagine what was going through their head. They're sitting there in probably the furthest corner of the Garden of Eden, making whatever they can clothes to cover themselves up. I, I can't imagine what must have been going through their head. 
I, I, I don't know. Glad I wasn't there. <laughs> um, but one of the things we learned was that sin changes everything. And since the beginning of time, we've struggled with figuring out where all of our issues come from. And sometimes we blow by the obvious answer. Oh, my anxiety has to come from this. My stress has to come from this. And the struggle is real now. And and and, and it's got to be affected from, you know, it's got to be this, this, and this. And I think sometimes we blow by the obvious answer that's like, look, Sin has caused all this. And there's only one person that has defeated and will defeat sin forever. And that's Jesus. Um, but I think that enemy does a great job at confusing us. Yeah. And thinking, oh, well, your anxiety comes from this. And all these other places. Not fully realizing that. Why, why, why is it that we hide... Sometimes, even even in even if we have the greatest relationship with God, why is it that we sometimes just find it so easy to just bolt in the other direction? I think, as you said, the devil makes it makes it so easy for us to forget about God. He puts overstress on our daily lives. Mm. Our work seems to just keep piling and piling up, and everything just seems to crumble down. That we don't. We don't get the chance to focus on God. We don't get a chance to remember about God. We don't get a chance to study our Bibles, to pray. Because the devil has done his work. He's done his homework. He knows what's going to make you weak. He knows how to go against you so to his benefit. He's going to put homework on top of you. He's going to put work on top of you. He's going to put stress. He's going to put illnesses. He's going to put all these things on top of you to make you forget about God. And I think that's made it so easy for us to forget about God. Mm. Because we have all these things to worry about that we don't focus on what's truly important. Yeah, We lose sight of who's going to take away all this luggage that we have yeah. and make it light. We lost sight of God, so that makes it easier for the devil to make it to make us stressed, to give us anxiety, to give us depression. I was talking about this with my mom, and uh, we kind of just kind of kept kept going through the Bible and looking for situations, you know, mental health. Who kind of struggle with this? And uh, is it fair to say that Jesus had some mental health thoughts, I, yeah. issues? I think so, especially for the time of of his cru crucifixion. He was like, God, if there's another way, yeah. please. In the garden. Yeah, in yeah. the garden of Gethsemane. He was like, if there's another way, let's, let's do that. So, yeah, he was suffering from a little bit of mental health. He was feeling nervous, anxious for what was to come. So, yeah, Jesus, he was human. Yeah. He felt the same emotions we feel. So, if we feel anxiety, Jesus felt anxiety as well. And especially also as well in the 40 days that he went out to the desert, the devil went to tap them. Yeah. He knew exactly what Jesus needed at that moment to see if he can actually get him to his, his hunger, his anxiety, his depression. Be like, oh, you need food. Turn the stones into, into bread. Feed yourself. Yeah. Or like, I'll give you all this if you just bow down to me. He knew exactly what Jesus wanted. 
or need it at that moment to get him to fall. Yeah. I think we see a lot of the cartoons sometimes about that scenario, and we see them just arguing with each other. That must have been an insane mental battle between the two of them. Um, where Jesus, I mean, the whole universe was watching that moment. God had to, not had to test his son, but he had to make sure that like his son was rooted where he needed to be rooted. You know, um, I like I like the 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 point about the garden. What what can what can we learn and how what can we apply from how Jesus handled that moment? Because Ellen White describes drops of blood coming down. I mean, the amount of stress that he felt upon at that moment. I think he realized. And I think maybe at that moment he felt the entire universe worth of sins immediately. So much so that drops of blood were coming down his face. What can we learn from that moment and how Jesus was able to handle that at maybe his lowest point? I think the biggest thing that Jesus did was seek God. That's the biggest thing that he did. He seeked the Father. him Because he was God himself. Yeah. Jesus was God himself. He didn't really need to seek the father. Yeah. But he still felt the need because he couldn't handle the pressure himself. Mm. And I think that at that time he felt the pressure of the entire world on him because he was meant to die for all our sins. But I think his human side was like, no, I don't want to die. I want to yeah. continue going on with my ministry. Yeah. But he knew that he came to earth with a mission. Yeah. And the moment he seeked the father, he was like, God help me. Father, help me. I can't do this myself. And I think it's the same with us. We can't do this ourselves. We can't live a life by ourselves. We need the help of God to help us in our daily life. Mm-hmm. We, need, we need for him to guide us, to take us by the hand, to walk with us, to do that baby steps little by little. Do you think that, uh, you know, a lot of people say that, one of the questions I've always had is, when, when did Jesus finally know? Like, like what he was doing here on earth, what his purpose was. And a lot of people say that, you know, as soon as he turned 12 and was talking to the Pharisees of the temple, at that point it clicked in his head, I know why I'm here. I always wonder, from that point on, let's say 12 to what, 33, maybe when he died? What is that, 20-something years, 25 years? Yeah. Something like that? No, that's not right. No, 21. <laughs> 21 years, sorry. Not a math major. Uh... I wonder if those 21 years, that thought was in the back of his head. That that can take some toll on you yeah. mentally. And and his decision was not just like some decision that we have to make. Like we got to turn a test in tomorrow or take an exam. He, he was about to die for the whole world and carry all that. I just wonder sometimes if that was just like in the back of his mind. Despite of everything that he did, you know. Yeah, and I've I've seen several movies where where the where the father is like a doctor and he expects his son to become a doctor, and he puts so much pressure on his son mm. to accomplish those goals. And I've sometimes I wonder is that the pressure that Jesus felt, because he knew the mission since the beginning, he knew that the God had sent him to die for our sins. So if God had sent him to die for our sins, that must have been in his mind the entire time. Yeah, that he was here on earth. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this while still healing people. Mm. He's still preaching to people. 
still performing miracles in front of everyone. And that that's just something I I think about. Like I, I see on TV that usually the, the there's this doctor and then tells him oh, tell his son you have to be a doctor. Yeah. And then the kid develops a whole bunch of like stress, anxiety, depression that he doesn't he can't live up to the expectation that the father has. Yeah. But Jesus did. Because he had relationship with God. At the end, the speaker said some words. He said, Our hope can be found in Jesus, and in all of our struggles, we can always turn to him. It's not easy sometimes because it's so easy for us to run away. What has helped you, Andres, as we finish? Uh, make sure that maybe you don't run and instead we turn to God when we may be dealing with something. Uh, I'm going to give a little quick testimony if, if there's time. Sure, absolutely. Um, a couple years ago, I was stuck between these two places. I, I didn't know what to do with my life. I was a junior med, uh, pre-med student. I didn't know what if I wanted to continue in there, if I wanted to pursue something else. I was stuck. I didn't want, I just hid myself from everyone. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to do anything because I was stuck by myself. I, I didn't know what to do. And my parents would come at me and be like, you have to go to school. You have to study. Um, but at that moment, I didn't know what I wanted to study. I was so lost. I was confused. I was, I was anxious. I was nervous. And then I see God. I was like, God, I know that you have everything planned out. Yeah. I don't know the plans you have for me, but I know that you have a plan. And if your plans lead me to continue studying pre-med pre to do to be a doctor, then that'll be your my plan. Right. But somehow I ended up here in Southwestern Adventist <laughs> University studying theology. In the middle of nowhere in Keene. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I know that God's plans are perfect. Yeah. But it took me about half a year mm. to realize what my goal was, what my plan was with God. Because the first five months, I was too busy just worrying about myself, mm. about just concentrating on myself. That I had lost vision about about who was the, the most important person in my life. And I think it wasn't until Oshkosh, the international camporee, that I realized what my plan was. Mm. And it was not because of something I did. It was because of something someone else did. Because I sat next to my pastor the entire way to camp, and he started talking to me. But if I hadn't sat next to my pastor, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Huh. I probably would still be hiding somewhere. So God just puts the right people in front of you. He knows who you need to talk with. Mm. Sometimes I go to my parents for advice because they're, they know they're going to help me out because they always want the best for me. But sometimes we just have to talk with the person that's in front of us. Talk with the person that's next to us. Probably not tell them our entire story. Sure. But God has a plan for them to be there in your life. Yeah. God knows exactly who is in front of you. 
and he has put them there for a reason. I love that you didn't hide. You you knew, okay, I've hit bottom, mentally, physically, spiritually. I got to go to God. And it's brought you to where you are today. And I think that's something that everybody listening can easily relate to, myself included. It's just, we have to get to those points where when the struggle is real, understand where our hope comes from. You know? It's a great story. I I really like that. Uh, I think that's a perfect way to end the episode. If you're listening, don't be like Adam and Eve, our poor first fathers and mothers. Ran away. Uh, and it's easier said than done. Because we're so ashamed of what we may be dealing with mentally and what other people may think of us. But God is always ready with open arms. And that's where our hope comes from. Andres, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I think this was a great episode. I'm excited for the next six weeks, I think. Something along those lines. We'll get Pastor Michael in here to confirm that at some point. But I think it's something like six weeks where we're just going to dive deeper to the Bible what it has to say about mental health, some specific areas, and uh, and how we can all be better because no one is excluded from this topic. No one is excluded. So, Andres, thank you so much. Appreciate you being here, as always. If uh, this episode helped you, changed you, made you think in a different way, I'd encourage you to hit that share button, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, whatever it is. Share this with a family member or a friend. Uh, you don't know who you could be blessed. You could be blessing just by sharing this or even the message itself that's also there wherever you're listening to the podcast so my name is kelvin thanks so much for being here and uh, we'll see you next time and remember there's always room for one more